I think that's the thing for people to remember that no matter what, you could be quote unquote, all the right ways of being that make people are attracted to you. And there's still going to be people who think you're inauthentic and attention seeking. And then there are going to be people who think you're just fucking amazing. Mm -hmm. Like no matter what you do, that's just going to happen. Right. So you might as well enjoy yourself. That's my philosophy. Welcome to Too Legitimate to Quit. It's our first show of 2022. I am your host, Annie P. Ruggles, and my guest today is the uh, tornado of joy known as Amber Hawley. Amber Hawley is a licensed therapist and lifestyle strategist who works with entrepreneurial individuals and couples on the emotional side of business. She is the owner of a group therapy practice in Silicon Valley, host of the The Easily Distracted Entrepreneur podcast, wife, mom of three kids, and Marvel movie superfan. Amber originally worked in the tech industry, but her love for people led her to pursue a career where meaningful relationships are at the center of everything she does. One quick note before we get started. In a in addition to my standard parentpreneur advisory about colorful and potty mouth language in this episode, this episode also contains brief mentions of some adult themes and different forms of abuse, as well as spoilers for the movie So I Married an Axe Murderer and really bad Scottish accents. Here we go. Amber, my darling my sister in intentional obnoxiousness. I don't even think I can handle how freaking excited I am to ask you this question, but I got to ask it anyway, which is what do small business owners need to focus on this week, Amber? Oof. Well, I'm going to say rest. <laughs> okay. I mean, and I have some context here on what's been going on in your personal life that I know that that's even more so. But why Why do we need to focus on rest, Amber? Tell me more. Well, you know, even though I am a type A, go, 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 hustler type of person, recovering perfectionist, I realize, and I teach this, and it's true, the more we give ourselves rest, the paradoxical thing is it actually allows us to be more creative, more productive, more efficient, and happier. And frankly, that's what I care about. Like, I want to help people. Why, why be a business owner if you're not going to enjoy your life? Like that's my, that's my philosophy. Mm -hmm. The way that I've said that is living the dream shouldn't feel like a nightmare. And if you burn yourself <laughs> out, you can only blame you, boo. Really? <laughs> that Honestly. is right. Hey, you know, I sarcastically, when people are like, how you doing? I go, you know, living the dream. Living and that's so dream. sad. Like for once, <laughs> I want to be like, living the dream. Right. And not immediately be like. <laughs> 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 like there's that great gif of the kid who's like, starts out laughing and ends up crying. <laughs> he's just naughty the whole time where he's like. 
<laughs> right? That's that's ask me about my job on a bad day. Hardcore. Like, oh, it's fine. It's it's totally fine. It's not fine. It's terrible. Um, but but I think normally that's because I'm not prioritizing rest. Now, in the self-help industries, of which many of us are part, uh, we hear a lot about self-care. Uh, but not just about good old-fashioned rest. Is there a difference? What's the difference? Well, th- that is a excellent question, my friend. Uh, I would say that it's actually it's. I see. I can't help but want to be sarcastic with you. Like, and That's and it's fine. like, oh wait, wait. I'll give a real answer here. Okay. No, you can be um, sarcastic as much as you want. I think, though, that rest, I don't just think, like, there's a lot of research behind this, but rest is the cornerstone of mental and physical health. Like, when we talk to people about, I don't care if it's for physical stuff or mental stuff that's going on or stress or overwhelm, you have to start with rest. And then after that, I would say it's about, you know, your diet and what you're eating, and then it's exercise. Like, those are the three, like, if you had, like, a base core foundational piece of self-care, those would be the three that I think of first. Yeah. I I think that's huge because I I think about like when I was in a really toxic job in my my like first like big girl job and it was so terrible. I was like, well, I have to take care of myself. And the ways that I would take care of myself or like the things that I called self-care were going to like a super crammed downtown Chicago rush hour manicurist with like Dr. Phil on (laughs) during my 20 minute lunch break to get like an express surrounded by people shouting in languages I don't understand. That didn't ever feel very soothing at all. But I was like, no, but I got my manicure today. And then the other thing that I would do for self-care during that job is I would hide in the storage closet and I would have my intern bring me margaritas from the Chipotle on the first floor and sneak them into the storage closet so I could drink them and cry. And that is what I called self-care. But neither of those things were effective. And a huge part of it is that neither of those things were actually restful. (laughs) Why do you think it's so hard for us to just fucking stop? Well, one, that's not our culture. First side note, why is Dr. Phil always on in nail salons, even though I don't even I don't think know. he's still on the air? He's but why? Not. It was always the worst crap or cops. And I'm like, what woman oh wants God. to watch cops? Or why? like Steve Wilkos that's like, did my partner sexually abuse my nephew? And it's like, whoa. First off, <laughs> if so, why are you on television? And also, like, would you like to paraffin wax? Or the deep tissue scrub. And I'm like, I would like you to turn child molesters off of my television. Like, No, but you didn't realize they also incorporated those lavender oils in their massages. And I was like, that totally negates any child molesting. So, you know, like that's what makes it okay. I enjoyed that you hid in the closet while being brought uh, margaritas. Did you not feel like resting after drinking margaritas? Oh, yeah. I, that's called <laughs> falling asleep on the train and being glad nobody mugged me. Yes. Although, uh, to your point, passing out is not the same as intentional rest. See? Right? It all yeah. comes full circle. Mm-hmm, A mm-hmm. lot of the things that we think of as self-care are not inherently 
restful. Exactly. Well, in anything, even excessively, right? Because like, I'm, I'm kind of a TV addict. So like my rest is like to binge watch something. Right. So then of course, I'll stay up till like, you know, two, three in the morning. Mm -hmm. And you know, you do that. And if it's and you if you're going to the same thing all the time, first of all, it might work like once where you feel like, Oh, my gosh, like I got to laugh and have fun. But then as you keep doing it, you're like, I feel like shit. I'm now like, burning the candle at both ends, just exhausted. I just think it's not part of our culture, right? Mm -hmm. Like, I just don't think... And it depends on your personality. Like, I'm an ENFP with ADHD. Like, I... Like, that sounds super boring. You were born to run, though. That's like, go, 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 go! Exactly. (laughs) I'm a squirrel chasing, rabbit moving, you know, energizer bunny. So I don't know what to say about that. (laughs) I mean, that's why I love you. But... It is hard to, it, it is really, really hard, especially when I feel like there's two times where it's really hard to rest. When everything is shit and you're trying so hard to get out of the shit. Yes. And then when everything finally isn't shit and starts to be going beautifully, we're like, well, I can't rest now. Shit just got good, right? So <laughs> I got to keep my momentum going. <laughs> right. And then we keep going when things are good. And then inevitably life happens and things get challenging again. And we're like, can't rest. Got to get back to where I was. And then we get there and we're like, got to keep on tap. Like, whoa. I think when you hit the wall, you get a little bit of rest. But yeah, that it is the struggle. Like stress is going to wake you up. Case in point, I am not a morning person. And today I was up at I was up at 630, like raring to go. Like my God, just a lot of stuff is going on, a lot of transition, you know. So I'm like, all right, I'm up. <laughs> but I will say the one good thing that's come out of like the last year and a half is my bandwidth is so much less that I just I just hit a point where I'm like, ah, fuck it. I'm done. And so mm-hmm. then I just call it a day and enjoy my night, you know, with my my family and, you know, binge watch Netflix and drink margaritas in a closet. I went to sleep at 845 the other day. What? I mean, it's easier for me because I don't have children, but I felt downright oh. geriatric in the best way. I was like, <laughs> good night, world. Good night. The sun's been down for four hours. Why am I still awake? (laughs) Like, my crotchety old ass is going to bed. But at that same time, I listened to my body. I listened to myself. I listened to my needs. I listened to my clients all day. Their needs are incredibly important to me. Exactly. I am constantly trying to predict what I can do to make their lives easier. If I can tune into them, sometimes I got to stop and tune into me. Mm, That is a a very profound observation, my friend. Very profound. But it's true. It absolutely is true. And And this is the thing. I noticed, and I've seen this with other people, where if we stay in a mode of stimulation, though, it's very hard to tune in and take that rest, right? Yeah. Like there, there, I remember doing like, uh, like digital detoxes. Cause like I said, I love TV. And so when I would do that, I would go to bed really early. I mean, for yeah. me really early because it, it, there wasn't all this extra stimulation coming on, like kind of keeping me up. And then for a lot of people, they'll get into this place where it's like, they get that second wind, you know, at like eight o'clock at night. And it, part of it is that overstimulation and understanding that, you know, depending on how you're 
you're kind of wired, you need to, you kind of need to ease into the evening and be into rest mode. And then you would have, you would be in tune with your natural rhythms, right? Yes. So I honor that. I think it's actually great. I think it's fantastic. And the fact that you went to bed at 845 and didn't have COVID, I mean, I think you're winning. You know, I thought I was winning too. (laughs) Just slap some depends on me and consider me done. Like I was just like, good night world. I'm over. I'm done. But I woke up the next day with some fight in my trousers ready to go, you know, so it's it's all a balance. So in these situations, I'm so curious about empathy and emotional sponginess in relationship to rest, right? So Mm -hmm. a lot of people that listen to this show are professional givers. And in your background in mental health, that is the most clear cut example of let me just take on the burdens of everyone around me and then go home and tell my children that everything's going to be okay at school tomorrow. Like, how do we show up with presence and compassion and empathy for the people that we're working with without taking their stuff onto ourselves? How do we create that safety for us? <sighs> the unsexy answer is boundaries. <laughs> That's where, you know, as boundaries a profession- are sexy as hell. <laughs> <laughs> That's true. I shouldn't. <laughs> Now I just thought of Dustin from Stranger Things. Like you I can't hear that that you know the purr without him. <laughs> oh yeah, somebody's like somebody's like boundaries and I'm like, "Ooh, that's a panty dropper." Like, "Ooh." <laughs> See, I should start to say they're sexy. I should be on board with that because I actually think they can be wonderful, right? In my late 30s, they're dead sexy. In my yes. 20s, I thought they were ridiculous. But in my 20s, I also dated someone with a full sleeve giving tree tattoo. And all we know about the giving tree is that that stump had no freaking boundaries. So, you know, my my idea of what's sexy about boundaries has evolved over the years. That is true. And I think as we get older and yeah, the boundary thing, I think when we have better boundaries, I think we're up for sex more often because we feel better. We feel rested. We feel like we want (laughs) to. So, so it could, I mean, there's a direct correlation. I think like when you're not having great boundaries, you're probably not having great sex. I don't know. That's my on the spot theory. (laughs) Well, and I think, I think part of that too is I love, like, I think this is the first time that we've talked about sex on this show. That's hysterical. <laughs> but, and which is not at all what we were like planning to talk about today, but hey, whatever comes out. But I think similarly, there has to be a sense of this is me and who I am, and this is where I stop, and this is you and who you are, and this is where you start. And there is a gap between us. We don't have to be so enmeshed. And for one of the years when I wasn't selling well, when I was still the most sales avoidant person on the planet, I really enjoyed, or so I thought I did, that there was such an enmeshment mm. in between me and my clients that we were really kind of unhealthily codependent. Like I was filling that role in their lives of person that they're messaging at two o'clock in the morning when they have a bad day, when really my role in their life is to help them write some tweets. Like, <laughs> whoa. And I, meanwhile, I'm getting all of my dopamine hits from being needed by those people at two o'clock in the morning. And something had to change. And what had to change in that 
was me going, I am way out of my lane. I am not a qualified mental health professional. Yeah. I don't know what I'm doing. I cannot be all things to all people. And also I would like some freaking sleep. So maybe text me on Monday. <laughs> exactly. And I, you know, so now it's going to sound repetitive, even though I didn't, I, we weren't necessarily going to talk about rest. It just kind of came to me, but there are different definitions and forms of rest, right? And some of that is setting the boundaries around your work time, you know, so you can be present and give in the right and healthy way, but then mm-hmm. still have something for yourself left over or even your family. Cause this is something I hear a lot of, you know, from entrepreneurs, they talk about like they're able to show up and rally for their clients, but then they've kind of like spent it all there. And when they go home, they're more irritable. They, you know, they're, they just have less to give. It doesn't mean they come home and they're crappy all the time, right? Like they still care about their family, but it's harder to be patient and to, to be in that place of like kindness. And so I think that, you know, we start to see that compassion fatigue where you kind of, you, you know, your friend starts talking to you and you're like, I don't even want to hear this anymore. You know, you, yeah. you are, they, maybe they were talking about it too much, but, the, but it's, you know, it kind of starts there. I think sometimes what I've noticed with business owners is that compassion fatigue, like shows up last with their clients. So it's kind of mm-hmm. interesting to like sometimes pay attention to that. Cause the first time I went through a bout of burnout, I kept going, but I love seeing my clients. I mean, I'm just having a great time. I always feel energized. I always show up for them. I mean, always and and not in a good way. Like you're saying, like I was really sick and I probably should have stayed home and I would show up. But I thought I'm not burnt out because like this is where it's supposed to be showing up. And then realized like every little thing was frustrating me. I wasn't getting like the administrative stuff done because it's boring as shit. And, (laughs) you know, who wants to do that stuff? And then also feeling just really irritable. And so, you know, like small things didn't go right, then, you know, my whole day was ruined kind of thing. And so, yeah, I think it's, I do think boundaries are sexy. You're right. I'm going to take my comment back because they are sexy as hell. Sexy as hell. (laughs) But you know what? I think one of the things in self-employment that was so hard for me to face on par with, hey, by the way, boundaries are actually extremely sexy in business and in life. I think one of the big aha moments that kind of hit me like a truck was that in self-employment, if I'm burned out, I brought it on myself. There's nobody to blame except me. So back when I was crying in the Broadway and Chicago storage closet, drinking smuggled Chipotle margaritas. If I was burned out, it was because in at least part, because of outside forces, they were overworking me. They were under validating or under coaching me. I didn't have proper whatever. They weren't nurturing me. They weren't, they were ignoring my needs, right? Whatever that may be. Absolutely. That was an HR issue. I was being abused in a hostile work environment that led to burnout. Guess what? I am employed by myself. If I'm in a hostile work environment, that hostile work environment was created by me. If I wake up in the morning and I go, God, I hate my fucking job. Then I take that to HR and HR is me. And HR tells the boss, we got to change something. And the boss is me. Like, I can't, I can't keep punting it and being like, I am so burnt out. This is so hard. I had to say to myself lovingly, bitch, if you're burnt out, it's because you lit the match. You did it. I know. And it's one of those super hard, uncomfortable truths. And, you know, I work with a lot of business owners on burnout or trying to create 
I say like a sustainable schedule and kind of approach to their business. And I'm telling you, it's like, no one wants to hear this. No one wants to hear when I say like, okay, well, you have to prioritize. And this is a really good skill to learn. And you have to assess what's on your plate and kind of, you know, make hard decisions. It's like, they don't want to. And I'm like, well, of course not. Nobody wants to make hard decisions, but you get a choice. Like you either do that or, you know, shit will come due because eventually it does for everybody. Right. But I agree with you. It's yeah. I am like my worst, I am my best boss I've ever had and my worst boss I've ever had. (laughs) Oh, I 1000% agree with that. A million percent. Yeah. Like there's this clutch that I super love that I've wanted for the longest time because I'm a very, very loud introvert. But it says introvert on one side and extrovert on the other side. And like, if you're sitting at a conference or something, you could flip it to be like the one that you feel more like. I'm like, oh, that's brilliant. I feel like now we should all get those desk plaques with our names on them. But on one side, it should just say like, world's best boss. And on the exact (laughs) back of it, it should say world's worst boss. And then depending on the day, we could decide who we're working for because... I completely agree. I am my dream employer and good God, I cannot imagine other people working for me. I don't know how my assistants do it. Like, whoa. (laughs) Oh, I can tell you because you're kinder to other people than you are yourself. I mean, that's just, that just, I mean, that's a uniform (laughs) thing with giver culture and the people that listen to this show. Absolutely. I will tell you right now if I saw another person treat someone how I treat myself, I would scream at that person. I would, I would be the one in target being like, excuse me, you're being rude, but it's me to me. So I ignore it. (laughs) Well, you just do it inside your head. You're just doing it inside your head while sipping margaritas. My Chipotle never has served margaritas. I feel like I'm, I'm being ripped off here. Well, they are quite good. (laughs) They are quite, quite good. Uh, And last time or last and the first time, the first and last time, that we were together, it involved margaritas. So as you know, <gasps> That's my right. boundaries have evolved. My love for tequila has not. Yeah, I I don't usually. Well, one, I I think I don't I don't drink hard liquor very rare. I mean, very often because I'm like a red wine gal. But and I don't day drink because you know, hello, like then I'd have to sleep. But we were on. I consider it kind of vacation conference mode. And yeah. Those were the best. It was just tasty margaritas. And it was yeah, kind of a shit show by the end of the evening, but it was wonderful. Oh, so wonderful. Because you know what, though? Like, and I and I sent you a message on this yesterday, and I totally meant it. It's we met on the very last day of this event. We had seen yeah. each other previously, but we really actually met on this very last day. And we decided we were going to have lunch with our dear friend, Jen McFarland. And it was probably the best lunch of my life. Like, I haven't laughed that hard ever. You and I came up with like 87 inside jokes in like four minutes. I know. You, me, and Jen all renamed each other Bill. And then like we started nominating other people as Bills. Like, and then even people that we didn't like, we started calling the bad Bills. Like this went on. We created an entire world building in like an afternoon. But it was so magic because I have a lot of playfulness in my brand. And I have clients that love me and support me and, and swaddle me in coziness. But I can't tell you the last time I had that much fun. I, I know it. W- and I keep telling people about it. And I was like, it was like a three and a half hour lunch. Yep. 
And I know it was such a highlight for me. I was so glad that it happened. And you know, it was good. If you remember later on that evening when people would come up to us and they're like, I saw you girls at lunch earlier. And they're like, you look like you were having a great time. Uh I mean, I was crying crying laughing. I mean, I always pee myself when I laugh, oh, but we I was do. crying laughing. <laughs> so well, it was the best. I think we all cheat a little. I mean, and that's women of a certain age. And then also you've had children. So you have <laughs> yes. a double excuse. It's fine. But yeah, at the end of it, we have people coming up going, hey, Bill, where's the bathroom? And I'm like, have we met? Which of the bills are you talking to? What's going on? But, but it was so wholly unpretentiously funny and goofy. And it was just like you and me and Jen and the other people we kind of brought into this madness. We were just trying to make each other laugh. We weren't trying to have the most witty soundbite. We weren't trying to get one of us to pay the other one by the end of it. We weren't even trying to get onto each other's podcast. We were just like, hey, we've been at this really neat conference. We're in this pretty place in Arizona. The margaritas here are really good. Let's talk in a variety of accents for three hours at the top of our lungs (laughs) while everyone around us talks about like pod churn. And we're like, oh, (laughs) like it's, but it was soothing. It was, it was restful. But this is the thing. So two things on that. One is exactly, it was self-care because for me, and I I think that's why we connected so Mm -hmm. quickly and easily is like laughing and enjoying myself and being lighthearted. Like life is really hard. There are lots of shitty parts of life. Like the laughing part is what I live for. And I had not laughed that hard in so long. And I, that's what made it so, like you said, in a way it became restful. I think yeah. that's self-care too. Like self-care yeah. takes many forms, right? Yeah. But secondly, if you remember that because we had started that bill thing, like almost right away. And oh, first of all, we did actually have many soundbite worthy moments. Oh, of like we, we were did. fucking brilliant. That's oh, all yes, I have to say. Yes. Clear, I mean, clearly we know well, because, we both are. But because we weren't trying to be, it yeah, was even easier. Well, and because we are brilliant, let's well, just yes, face it. Yes. But it, if you remember about two and a half hours in, I oh actually had to ask you your name. <laughs> oh my God. Which is That's so, hysterical. and that made us laugh so hard because that was the thing. It wasn't, we weren't trying to sell it. We didn't even know what the I'm fuck like, each other no, did. My name is Bill. Like, <laughs> my name was Bill. We didn't know who, what our podcasts were. We didn't care. I live for that. Those are those genuine connections that yeah. I live for. I love well, because that. it was it was just totally pure. Yeah. Right. And like at the beginning of this episode, I lovingly referred to you in my as my sister in obnoxiousness. And what I mean by that is just I love how loud you live because it's not performative. It's just honest enthusiasm. And 100%. <laughs> I think a lot of time I've been so concerned about how my muchness is perceived by people that it's kind of like a, I let you into my muchness little by little, and then you get into the inner circle and it's like, whoa, here's Annie. (laughs) Whoa! Like Kramer coming into Jerry Seinfeld's apartment, like, whoa, here I am. But I think that the reason why I don't always show up fully myself in some of these areas is that I have had people that I don't know write things on 
form circumferences being like Annie's so loud and obnoxious and da 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 da. And so I'm like, cool, yeah. I guess I'm taking up too much space. But then you meet the right people who, through their own example of taking up space, encourage you to equally take up space. And that's how I felt with you is like, we were riffing. We were having the best time. <laughs> we were both showing up, like you said, like in super brilliance, having the coolest time, but it was never, I'm Amber. Look at me. Look at me. Look at me. It was, I'm Amber. I'm hilarious. You're Annie. You're hilarious. Look at us. And that <laughs> was totally different because it also wasn't exclusive, but it caught people's attention. So they'd come up to the table, like you said, and they'd be like, wow, Y'all are having a good time. And what would we do? We wouldn't be like, yeah, we're a fun people click and you're not in it. We'd go pull up a chair, have a margarita. <laughs> Can you do a bad Scottish accent? Have you seen So I Married an Ex-Murderer? Like it was inclusive. And so I think you can be high energy without apology if you're also just doing it because that's who you are and that's how you want to go through life. Yes. However, right. however, I will say, like you, I still think that there are people who are going to interpret it because this is their own stuff, right? Like they interpret it of like, oh, you're attention seeking or oh, this and that. I mean, I've had family members, I've had strangers, I've I remember once being called out at a conference from somebody I was coaching with. Like I was paying him a lot of money and he like called me out and embarrassed me that I was trying to get attention. And Excuse I'm like, me? I'm yeah, I was. Needless to say, he was fired after that shit. But I was like, I am a loud ADHD person and that's just yeah. who I am. But it felt like shit. It feels very terrible. But I almost take the opposite approach where I just, I'm like not going to hold it in. And it's almost like a test for people. And uh, I didn't even realize I was doing this until one of my my best friends told me. She was like, I noticed that when we meet somebody, you'll make some kind of sarcastic joke or something. And if they don't get it, then you just, you know, you politely just continue on like somebody who's helping us or something. Mm -hmm. And if they get it, then I connect, then we're friends for life. Like we're friends for life. But if they don't get it, I'm like, well, clearly you're not intelligent enough to understand my jokes. And so I move on. But it's almost like I would rather just be like, high energy. And that way I can see, oh, they hate me. Oh, they don't like that. And just move on. Then I just find my people better that way. Right? Yeah. <laughs> because it's like a tuning fork. Yeah. I don't ease in. It's letting your freak flag fly. You're like, oh, hey, there you are. <laughs> there you are, my people. Nice to see you, my people. I know. It's so refreshing. <sighs> um, but you know, we all have those times. I do have those times where I'm in like a tender space. And so I probably yeah. wouldn't go full bore. But but yeah, I love when you can and then you just, you know, you connect. And I think that's the thing for people to remember that no matter what, you could be, quote unquote, all the right ways of being that make people are attracted to you. And there's still going to be people who think you're inauthentic and attention seeking. And then there are going to be people who think you're just fucking amazing. Mm -hmm. Like no matter what you do, that's just going to happen. Right. So you might as well enjoy yourself. That's my philosophy. One of those like inspirational Instagram memes. <laughs> taught me something the other day. It said like, it's okay if not everybody likes you. You don't like everybody. And I'm like- I literally just read that this morning. <laughs> oh my God. And I'm like, you're right. I am super love Muppet. I am a Care Bear. And there are plenty of people that I don't like. Exactly. <laughs> Therefore, I 
have the right to dislike those people for my own reasons. Therefore, wouldn't people have the right to dislike me? Yes, they would. Exactly. And so I was like, wow, thanks, random inspirational Instagram <laughs> bot for opening my eyes and broadening my horizons today. <laughs> I think we're all getting those same ones. It's true, though, when you think about it. Like, yeah, you. I still treat people with respect. But my friend Michael always teases me because I'll like rant about somebody or he'll bring someone up. And then he's like, oh, they're on the list. And I was like, yes, yeah. I have a list of people that I'm like, they are dead to me. Yep. <laughs> like only in my head. Like, I do not I do not like you. I do not enjoy you. Go away. Leave me alone. <laughs> You know, uh, of course, I if mean, I saw them, I'd be nice. I'm Irish Italian. That's a vendetta <laughs> and a grudge having a baby with each other. Okay, so. Uh, all right. Before we transition, I do want to ask you one more question specifically about burnout, which is where does hustle stop and burnout begin? Oof. I think that that's so hard because like you said, Sometimes when we're in this place of feeling really already burnt out, we feel the pressure to hustle more because we feel ineffective. Like I've met people who are not, I wouldn't consider them hustle mode kind of people and they are burnt out. So I think like one can happen without the other, but I think when you do get to a place where you realize like in order to make this sustainable, so I'm not in this cycle of like, hustle, burnout, hit the wall, hustle, burnout, hit the wall, you realize that there's a way to be super efficient. And it's all about energy management. And so you do a thing like, can I show up and get a lot of shit done? Because I'm excited about it. And I love work. I actually love working. Yeah, yes, I can do that. I don't consider that hustle anymore. Right? Like, but I have those boundaries. Mm -hmm. And I manage my energy. And I say, okay, well, I'm just done now for the evening. Because frankly, none of this and I do deal you know, in my therapy practice, I'm working with people who can be suicidal, right? So that's a little different. But otherwise, it's not life and death. Yeah, We have a long time to accomplish our goals and to yeah. achieve the things we want to achieve. And it's like, I think it's just that adjustment. So I guess, I don't know where one ends and the other starts because there's so much overlap. I think you nailed it, though. I think it's about energy management. And expectation yeah. management. Yeah. Right. And back to our sexy, sexy boundaries. Dries. Yes. Right. <laughs> I mean, bow wow boundaries. Like, bow, it, bow. right. We're going to like start the cue the <laughs> that weird. Sounded like a dead cat music. more than it did a Whatever. 70s porn. <laughs> yeah. Well, you know, I, I am more of an expert in cats than I am you. in 70s porn. So this is a pop culture show and cats are one of my areas of expertise. Um, but anyway, I, I think that's I think you nailed it. I, I agree that it's very nuanced and that we aren't monoliths and that situations aren't either. But I really love that you brought up that idea of efficiency in that, like, am I moving forward with precision and purpose or am I just spinning my wheels? Exactly. And so I'm going way more away from productivity, although I don't want to be one. I'm kind of over people are like, oh, I hate this word and I can't handle this word anymore. And so I, I don't want to do that. But I think of efficiency as something that helps me plan and achieve things, but in a sustainable way. Because when I think of productivity, I feel this pressure to perform all the time. I always feel that because that's that type A thing, you know, but I I think efficiency feels more sustainable, at least for me. 
Heck yeah. I think it works for others too, but. <laughs> no, I th- it certainly works for me. I like it. It certainly oh, I like works it. for me. That's All right. great. Oh, yeah. <laughs> we both did it. Time. Oh, How did we know? I We're like, oh, know. enough with that serious stuff. Oh. We got to be talking about what people really showed up to hear about. Put your seatbelt on, listeners. Amber <laughs> and I just left the Amber and Annie Bill show out. Okay, Amber. <laughs> Oh, 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 hold on. You mean Bill? What are you calling me, Amber, Bill, for? <laughs> Bill, uh, <laughs> listeners, the rest of this episode will contain horribly, historically, and culturally inaccurate accents. The following accents are ma- not meant as cultural commentary. They're just weird sounds that come out of our mouths. That being said, <laughs> Amber, what, what on earth does any of this have to do? So I married an axe murderer. <laughs> oh, well, we now see, I can't do anything but Irish and That's it should okay. be Scottish. It should be Scottish because if it ain't Scottish, it's crap. It's crap. It is crap. It's crap. Haggis. All right. But what is it? S A T U R D A Y. Night. Uh, what does any of this have to do with Mike Myers and his multi-Scottish ridiculousness? Well, it brings us joy, it does. It does. <laughs> and I think anybody who gets a soy married and axe murderer quote is somebody who is going to be a friend for life. Well, that's That's true. my feeling. I don't think they could remember things from that movie and not be a friend for life. That mm-hmm. is one of my weed out kind of litmus tests that I give to people when they're strangers. I love that. I love that it's like a beacon, right? Because we're talking about finding your people. Yeah. And that was one of the very first things. <laughs> yes. I remember like we're, you and Jen were talking about it and then Jen made a reference. I don't even remember what reference. And I was just sitting there like looking at the menu, talking to myself. And I was like, we had love, not just sex. Are you Mrs. X? And then from there, you and I were like, I had to run for my life. And we were done. <laughs> Best friends from that moment on, right? Exactly. Although I I do, yeah, usually that one is so good though. I mean, I think you have to be a true lover, but people can generally get the like, heat, pants, now. Oh, Oh. he's going to go cry himself to sleep on over that one on his huge pillar. Huge, (laughs) huge pillar. Although to be fair, our Scottish accent is as good as Mike Myers. Oh, yeah. (laughs) Oh, yeah. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. I mean, and, and we know that you don't have to be good at accents to be famous. Look at the entire cast of Game of Thrones. So <laughs> it's OK. It's all good. Oh, oh, where are you going with that one? You know where I'm going with that one. That's a low blow. It is. It is. But, you know, I think one of the things that's fun about axe murder is... uh. It's one of the first times, if not the first time, we got to see Mike Myers be a whole bunch of different people. <laughs> oh, and, and and don't we all need more Mike Myers in every movie we see? Well, yeah, kind of. But <laughs> it was really fun to like watch him play old people and young people and crazy Scottish people and his own father and right and all these different things. And I think one of the business parallels that I can glean from that is use specific detail of the people you're talking to, right? We don't have to do impressions of them, 
But one of the reasons why people, when I talk to people and they say, oh my God, Annie, I need to learn sales from you is because I speak their language. And I say, do you ever get on a sales call? And at the end of it, you're like, well, you know, you seem like a really nice person and it's $2,000, but it's not $2,000. It's 1500 And they're like, oh my God, that sound you just made, that's me, right? That's me not doing an impression and not necessarily making fun of the situation, but saying this is something in me that is goofy and ridiculous. And I think the goofy in me honors the goofy Mm -hmm. of you. And we can look at this painful situation, this pain point of struggling to sell, struggling to monetize and struggling to compete. But we can make a little bit of fun of ourselves and go, do you ever make that weird noise where somebody asks for your price and you instantly cough? What is that? (laughs) Like, what is that, right? And I I think it's because we're showing our understanding of other people in those moments. Yes. And I would go as far to say as you're embodying it, right? Embodying it. Yes. Just like Mike embodied all of his characters, you're embodying their inner monologue. And I think there's probably some business lesson in slam poetry, too. (laughs) Well, I do think he had the freedom to have a very laid back life and just walk around, meet his friends for giant cups of cappuccino because he was a business owner. See, he didn't overwork himself. Even she owned a butcher shop and she still had time to go play and enjoy herself. Yes, she did. But Harriet did not have boundaries with her family. (laughs) She did not. She did not. And and when you don't have boundaries, it could turn out that your sister is murdering all the people you fall in love with. And a red flag on your sister possibly murdering all of your loved ones is if the second you go to work, your sister publicly showers naked (laughs) in your very exposed shower while your new lover is there. So like, maybe boundary one, get a shower curtain. Yeah. I I wish I could remember the actress's name that plays her because my thinking was... Isn't it Amanda Plummer? Is it? Is it? Okay, we're going with it. All right, we're going with it. The other thing I say is, boundary-wise, if your sister is Amanda Plummer, you got to know whatever role she's in, she's creepy and weird, so you need to just set a lot of boundaries with her. That's all. (laughs) I think definitely boundaries. I think he also could use some personal, professional, detailed boundaries. He is a poet. He is a performer. Maybe it's not always the best idea to tell everyone you know every detail of your ongoing fraught relationship. I would agree. I would agree. I would also say as a couple's like you know, marriage, marriage and couples like is my, one of my specialties. I feel they got married way too fast. So we could have, all of this could have been prolonged. I mean, (laughs) and I got married, not way too fast, but very fast. But let me tell you what, the day Ryan Ruggles goes to an open mic night and starts accusing me of murdering people, (laughs) we're gonna need to up our couples counseling because there's gonna be some problems there. Like, come on. And then they get back together. Spoilers, y'all. Spoilers. Watch the movie. It came on a million years ago. But, you know, then they get back together. That's pretty awkward because she's going around and they're like, oh, yeah, you're the murder one. Oh, no, it was your sister. Oh, you're the one with the murder sister. Thank you. Now she can't go to the coffee shop anymore. If Mike Myers' character had exerted some personal professional boundaries. Yes. 
Agreed. And Agreed. what I always say, like when people are telling their stories, I love that this is like where my ranty brain is going, but hey, I'm leaning in. There's this huge pressure to tell your story in entrepreneurship. And for a lot of people, their stories involve capital T trauma and little t trauma, Mm -hmm. largely more than one, right? And so what I see is, A, people that don't have big T trauma coming to me worried that their stories aren't rich enough (laughs) because they weren't abused, right? Not making light of abuse. Again, trying, like doing all of this with respect, but I have literally had people say, all of these other women's sexuality coaches are survivors of X and Y. And my relationship with my family has always been healthy. And I have a positive, you know, I'm a very sex positive person. Should I not tell my story? No, tell your story of being a happy sex positive person. Go right ahead, right? But on the flip side, the people that do have the big T trauma and the little T trauma, there's this kind of like public demand for them to open a vein and just bleed their details all over the website and all over the internet. And and what I tell them is your detail is your own. It's the emotion that matters. How you felt, what you thought, how you acted, that's what the community needs to know. They don't need to know the names you need to name. They don't need to know the specifics, the details, the timeline, the events themselves. They need to know that emotional world. Do you agree when it comes to putting ourselves out there and and how we tell our stories? Absolutely. And I mean, and I do agree with you. I think that's a very modern phenomena that we see. Like that's the way to be authentic. And I'm glad that people are willing to do that because so many people feel like connected and healed when they hear other people sharing their experiences. So there's, there's, there's good stuff in that. But at the same time, I would say like, even that person who said had a great relationship with their family and is very sex positive, you need to reach those people who either want to hear about that because there are people who have been through trauma and they want to be in that, they kind of want a different, you know, mindset or mind space. And also like there are people who just don't connect to that other message. So I think it's about really connecting and being authentic like you're saying, where you're at with your emotions, with your stuff. And you're right. I don't think every little detail is needed. Like this isn't your memoir, right? Like this is your website. And it's about connecting to people and letting them know, like, kind of, you know, do those stories influence a lot of like how you show up? If so, okay, then share them, right? Or is it more about like, you've gone through hard things and it makes you extra compassionate. And that's Mm -hmm. a big part of the work you do or how you show up for people. I think that matters. You know, it's not just about you have to follow this formula, I'm sure, as you tell people. But you're right. It's how you're showing up. Yeah. And your intentionality. Like what we were talking about with loudness or big living. Like, are we doing it to be the center of attention or are we doing it because it feels good and feels right and it's creating the quality of life that we want. Exactly. Am I telling my detail to empower myself and to empower others? Or am I telling my detail to re-traumatize myself for public gain? I don't know. (laughs) Yeah. Or because I think this is what I'm supposed to do. And that's the other thing is I, we see people who, especially when they've been through a lot of trauma and maybe they haven't worked through it yet or, you know, worked on some of that stuff. And so they're, you know, they're indiscriminately disclosing. And so, like you said, they re-traumatize themselves and then they make themselves really vulnerable and not everyone's going to respond positively. So there's this double 
traumatic response to that. So I don't think that that's necessarily a good choice. But but Charlie, he did share. Didn't Charlie, you, you know, <laughs> next time, Charles, maybe leave her name and her <laughs> photograph out of the poem and the slideshow. But here's where he's a bit of a shit, actually, because now that I think of it, he actually didn't share his feelings and experiences. He no. shared her story. Yeah. So he wasn't actually vulnerable, really. No, no vulnerability at all. Ugh, Meanwhile, he's basically full like, vulnerability. He tells everybody her name, her occupation. And shows her picture. Yeah, and puts up a picture on a slideshow and then accuses her of being an incredible lay and a murderer in one five-line poem that may be a violation of Harriet's personal boundaries. Just saying. Uh, And could you not have changed her name to, like, Heather? I don't think it would rhyme. Heather. Heather. <laughs> you but there is some skill in that though to convey yeah. all that in five lines. I mean, there's something about that. There is something. Yes, I think he was trying to achieve that gritty slam poetry thing without any of his own shit, actually. Mm, hm. Typical man. Mm. Uh-huh. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, let's just is there anybody that we haven't offended yet that we could nope. just throw in there? No, nope. <laughs> equal opportunity, just chuck them all in there. <laughs> We already said that a bunch of the people we named Bill at the pool that night were bad bills. So now they're like, am I a uh, bad bill? We said people was into hysteria. <laughs> and also we hate all podiatrists. Oh, God. Oh, yeah. I'm just kidding. You know I have friends who are podiatrists. You know what? We hate, we hate everyone with feet. We, we will do. offend all people with feet. Oh, we my do. God. This is so beautifully off the rails. I love it. All right. So I have two more questions for you. One of them is, will you please, one of your very favorite, whatever it may be, topic up to you, but I want like a patented Amber Holly rant, easily distracted entrepreneur rant in whatever accent you decide to bestow upon us. So please give us a one minute impassioned accented preview of your upcoming TED Talk. Well, you should have prepared me for this one because I rant all the time, but I don't feel ranty because I so enjoy your company. Um, Okay, here's my rant. It it can be offensive. It can be offensive. Is this a productive rant about entrepreneurship or is this just a general rant? Uh, Dealer's choice, but Mm. there are listeners who need to know what to do this week. So, okay. (laughs) (laughs) Okay, then. Well, I am going to tell you. Oh, we're going this route. Oh, you are. That's where we're going. And so you've got to understand that part of taking care of yourself is doing things like using your magic hands to make a casserole or perhaps scrapbook and make food and eat it and have all the pictures of the people you love near you. And I think it's really important to do that in order to be your best self as a business owner. Yeah, because you get the benefits of creating things that are not work-related. <laughs> you get that accomplishment. We sound like the delicious dish ladies from SNL. Like, <laughs> Yeah, that's who they are because they're from Minnesota, people. just like I am. Ooh, I'm from yeah, Minnesota, so you got to understand. Ooh, that 
explains and a you lot. know the better part about creating a casserole is that you can eat it for several days so then you can just not have to spend all that time cooking every single day and be able to get your work done and then go and watch a really wonderful um you know like uh this this old home episode or something oh this old home you really did call midwestern didn't you there? i did i pulled it out I did. it's like where are you gonna go with this tv pulling it out is also very midwestern <laughs> <laughs> meanwhile listeners i think today you've learned a lot you've heard a lot and you've also gotten a really good inside look at what my life is like at the company I keep. Amber, I fucking adore you. I'm so glad you're feeling better. I'm so unbelievably thrilled that you are in my life to make me laugh until I pee because that's just what women in their late 30s do. If our listeners are out there and they are easily distracted, they are running a mile a minute, they are dancing on the verge of burnout, What's the best way for them to start a conversation with you? Well, to start a conversation with me, uh, you know, just hit me up in the DMs, like all the kids say. I'm on Instagram and LinkedIn. I mean, don't DM me if you're just going to like tell me how my business must be doing bad and that you have the perfect coaching package. But no. if you actually would love to connect and talk about, uh, you know, pop culture shit or you know, just vent a little about the stress you're under, then definitely DM me. Uh, I'm on Instagram at it's Amber Holly. And I'm sure all the links are going to be in the show notes. And LinkedIn, I'm Amber Holly, because it's just Amber Holly, not it's Amber, Holly, just Amber Holly without the just. (laughs) (laughs) Or you can go to amberholly.com and stalk me there. (laughs) Clear. Clear as a casserole. It's so clear as a casserole. I think as I explain it more, it gets clearer. It's as clear as the ocean on the fucking East Coast. Because guess what? After living 22 years in California, the East Coast ocean is not so clear. No. Turns out it's dark. Mm -hmm. Like my soul. Like your soul. Listeners, I'm going to go see if I can bring some light into Amber's soul. But I'll be back in just a moment with your homework for the week and my final thoughts. Oh, I did go pirate. Amber, I told you it was going to happen. Well, hey there, listeners. In my business, I have to be on a lot. I'm always teaching or speaking or being someone's invited guest or cheerleading the daylights out of my clients. And being on is a genuine, natural state for me. Y'all see the same Muppet that my friends and family see, but it can also be extremely exhausting to output that energy. So why do I show up so big? Yes, it alienates some people. And yes, I've had some pretty nasty haters. And no, I'm not thick-skinned enough to feel great about either of those facts. I cry into my own huge pillar at least once a quarter about it. But here's why. When I show up fully as me, it allows people like Amber to find me and to know me instantaneously. It allows people like Amber to say, yup, that's my brand of weird and wonderful sitting right there. 
we cut through all the small talk and get right into the thick of it, whatever it is, because we're speaking each other's language. Your homework this week is to speak your prospect's language. I want you to take a long, hard look at the internal dialogue, especially racing through the heads of your prospects and clients. How do they talk to themselves at their whiniest, at their most fearful, at their most hopeful, at their most totally fucking over it? And how can you infuse this dialogue and these pitch-perfect details into your marketing? For example, don't say, do you feel unsafe in your home? Say, are you wide awake at 3 a.m. with one eye open, wondering that your lover is a black widow? (laughs) This approach, like me, may alienate some people, but those people aren't right for you anyway. It's a gift to both of you to find that out early. But the more detail and dialogue you provide, within boundaries and good taste, of course, it is easier for people to find you and instantly think, now this is exactly what I've been looking for. My search stops here. Hey, thanks for listening. Too Legitimate to Quit is brought to you by the Non-Sleazy Sales Academy and me, your host, Annie P. Ruggles. Listen, we talk a lot about marketing on this show, and that's because I fully, earnestly believe that every dime and every moment we spend marketing is totally worth it unless we turn around and sabotage ourselves at the finish by refusing to sell and sell beautifully. Why? A lot of us have a misconception of what selling actually requires of us or who it needs us to be. Please give me the opportunity to help change your mind at www.nonsleazy.com. That's N-O-N-S-L-E-A-Z-Y.com. Big shout out to the fabulous dudes who helped make this show what it is. My producer and editor, Andrew Sims of Hypable Impact. My composer, Riley Herbastio and my show artist, Francois Vigneault. They're all fabulous, and I'd be glad to introduce you. Until next week, just do your best, and remember, you're too legitimate to quit.